Tonight I want to speak to you about the R factor. My choice of words. I want you to remember a word that starts with R and how it affects our lives and how it affects others' lives and how we should measure others by that word. The R factor. Starting over with God and men. We want to talk about how we can start over with God. Whenever we sin, we need to start over. We need to confess that sin and have it forgiven, restore our relationship with Him and with men as well. The R factor is the gospel. We're going to hear good news tonight and glad tidings about good things the Lord Jesus Christ has done and the benefits of that R word. There's full Bible proof for this simple study and much more material than I'm going to be able to cover in our few minutes in the links, about 20 of them, at the end of these slides. So for anyone that is viewing this at another time, and you want more data, you want more proof, you want more Bible verses and more reasoning, more examples, it's at the end. Our God is holy, brethren. Our God is holy. He cannot approve of sinners. He hates sin, and He hates sinners, and the Word of God teaches us that. He judges the wicked severely, And He chastens saints severely when they sin. Saints are polluted in His sight. Job, once he saw the Lord by hearing of Him in more detail, said that he repented in dust and ashes. And Isaiah said, Woe is me, for I am undone, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. In Isaiah 6, Our God is holy. He cannot approve of sinners. He hates sin and sinners. He judges the wicked severely. He chastens His own people severely. And saints, the best, Job and Isaiah, were polluted in His sight. He expects you to be holy because He is holy. So He condemns unholy religion. Unholy is one of the 19 character traits of religion today as prophesied in the perilous times of 2 Timothy 3. He commands your holiness. Be ye holy, even as your Father which is in heaven is holy. We have to cut off unholy activities. We need to cut off unholy friends. And we have to exclude unholy church members because our God is holy. We want to start with that foundation that the God that we're dealing with is holy. And if you have any unconfessed, unrepented of sins in your life tonight, may God bless the preaching of His Word to convict you and to provoke you and to warn you to confess those sins and to start over tonight. We can each start over tonight if need be. We have a holy God who judges sinners and judges them severely, but Jesus died to save sinners. And we are thankful for that. The Apostle Paul wrote Timothy and said, This is a faithful saying, and it's worthy of all acceptation. No one should reject or deny this glorious message that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And the Apostle Paul, formerly Saul of Tarsus, considered himself to be the chief of those sinners having been a murderer 
of Christians, having imprisoned them, having forced them to blaspheme, and doing them much harm. This is a faithful saying. We're thankful for the Lord Jesus Christ who came and died on the cross to put away sin and rose from the grave, leaving an empty tomb. Thank you, Heavenly Father. You are legally forgiven. Jesus paid on the cross for the elect's sins, their past sins, their present sins, and their future sins, legally. God forgave the elect legally through Jesus Christ. And so as we had read to us from Colossians, and as you can read in Ephesians chapter 1, and Colossians and Ephesians are fraternal twin epistles, they say very similar things, God forgave us in a legal sense once and for all with the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross of Calvary. There is total peace with God for Judgment Day. That is wonderful news. Judgment Day is coming. We will soon meet Him. And those in the older half of the congregation will meet Him sooner than the other half in the ordinary course of events. There is no variation at any time in this standing. Some pastors call it our positional forgiveness. We call it our legal forgiveness because we want to see all five phases. But there's no variation at any time in your standing before God. You have no sin. You are as righteous as the Lord Jesus Christ. That is, that is, if you're one of His elect. And the only way that you can know whether you're one of His elect is by faith and works identified in the Bible to prove your election. If you are one of God's elect, then what Jesus accomplished on the cross was to put away your sins forever so that you can be looking forward to Judgment Day without fear. To stand confidently there with Jesus Christ as your mediator, high priest, lawyer, whatever words you want to use to describe Him as being the provider of a sacrifice between God and you. You are legally forgiven. This is a once-for-all forgiveness that leads to legal holiness. Legal means at the bar of heaven. With God as judge, He has judged us perfectly holy through Jesus Christ. Nothing can ever be laid to your charge legally. And so it says that in Romans 8.33, Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? So the key, again, is proving that we're one of God's elect. There is no starting over. I've mentioned the words starting over this evening because I want you to know that if there's anything that's been hindering your relationship with God or with this church or with anyone else, that you can start over so easily. That's the lesson for tonight. But there is no starting over legally because Jesus cried, it is finished, and he meant it. It is finished, legally. Yet, even though we are legally holy and our sins are forgiven legally, yet we're foolish rebels and we continue to sin. These sins that we continue to commit bring grief to our hearts, guilt to our souls, and God's chastening, which can be very severe. 
What happens when you sin? You grieve and offend God and bring His chastening. It should not happen, but it does. Often. It's a shame. It proves our depraved flesh over and over in a week, in a month, in a year. You lose fellowship with God and are dried up. Church becomes boring. Reading your Bible becomes boring. You're confused about life. You're frustrated. You're disappointed. You're unhappy. You're sad. Nothing is the way you want it to be. The days aren't as bright. The house isn't as nice. And the wife is uglier than she was last week. It all happens because of sin. Sin changes our perspective because we lose fellowship with the one spirit and being that we want to be in fellowship with and we get dried up in our souls. We grieve God. We offend God. He withdraws from us and then He punishes us and bad things happen in our lives that we brought on ourselves. But, but, in spite of everything I've said so far, but there is practical forgiveness for fellowship with God. And that's what we want to consider tonight. The finished work of Jesus on the cross is wonderful and glorious and never to be added to. And is sure to every soul that it was applied to. Not one will be lost. But tonight we want to talk about practical forgiveness. And this forgiveness is only by your repentance. Why is starting over hard? Why can't we come clean with the Lord more easily? Because we are proud by nature. And we hate humbling ourselves and confessing that we're wrong. Get over it. (laughs) Love to humble yourself and denigrate yourself before the great God and say, woe is me. I am undone. Those are the words of a prophet of God. You are depraved and you resent admitting that you're wrong. This is why starting over is hard. Because we don't like to humbly confess and we don't like to admit that we're wrong. You, I'm speaking to each of you, you let Satan throw a fiery dart at you by discouraging you. You're not a Christian. If you're saved, look at you. You're a mess. Look at the sins that you continue to commit. What claim do you have on the book of life? You're a loser. No matter what kind of effort you put into it, 24 hours later you're going to be sinning again. Those are fiery darts of the devil. That is not you. That is not the Holy Spirit of God. That is not Holy Spirit conviction. That's the devil discouraging you. How do you know if it's Holy Spirit conviction? You'll get down on your knees and repent. But if you don't get down on your knees and repent because you're just a loser, that's the Holy Spirit keeping you. I mean, that's, that's the devil, excuse me, keeping you from repenting. You let him, that is Satan, overwhelm you with doubts and fear about meeting God, about going to heaven, about living righteously, about being a Christian, about being nothing in the kingdom of heaven. You let him convince you that, that. Because those are not the statements of scripture. He, that is the devil, makes God an indifferent being and forgiveness hard to achieve. Because you know that you don't forgive very easily. You know that I don't forgive very easily. And you know that your parents don't and your friends don't. 
And everyone you know on earth doesn't forgive very easily. And so the devil confuses you, discourages you, by trying to show you that God is indifferent towards you. He doesn't really care. And forgiveness is hard to achieve. And you probably didn't really mean it when you got on your knees to confess your sins to Him. That's why starting over is so hard. But it doesn't... Listen, those are all easily dispensed with. We can humble ourselves. We can repent and come clean. You can start over with God at any time. Brethren, you can start over with God at any time. I hope that some of you are while I'm speaking. I hope that we all will before we go to sleep tonight. I hope that we all hit tomorrow running, having started over with a clean slate provided by the Lord Jesus Christ and the great mercy of our God. No sin is too big. Don't tell me about big sins. Confess them. Forsake them. And He will abundantly pardon. No sin is too big to forgive. No sinner has too many sins to forgive. If you have committed a sin repeatedly, and you've asked for God to forgive you repeatedly, and you continue to commit that sin, there is sufficient grace in the God that we worship, the God of the Bible, and sufficient mercy provided through the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is never too many. Because where sin abounded, by whatever means it abounds, grace did much more abound. You cannot start over too many times. Don't think that God is keeping a tally of how many times you've started over and you've reached the limit. Because the grace is sufficient for you. Just go to Him. A broken and a contrite heart God will not despise. Break yourself. Fall before Him rather than Him falling upon you. It all depends on the R factor. You can start over with God at any time. No sin is too big for Him to forgive. No sinner has too many sins to forgive. And you can start over many times. And it all depends on the R factor. For the practical phase of salvation. Standing before God does not depend on the R factor. It depends on the J factor. Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Let's look at the example of the prodigal son. It should help us understand the difference between legal forgiveness and practical forgiveness for fellowship. At all times, this is the prodigal son, was the legal son of his father. At all times. The prodigal was still the son of his father. That relationship did not change. It was still father, still son, birth certificate still proved it. They still had that legal relationship. But by rebellion, the prodigal lost fellowship with his father because he ran away. He ran away and went and did things that displeased his father. His father was horrified to think of his son doing the things that that son was doing. And so fellowship was broken. Now in Luke 15, the father said, This my son was dead. But when it says, This my son was dead in Luke 15, it only meant for fellowship. 
Because the son had not died. There was no death certificate. There was no recently turned sod in a cemetery. It was the fellowship between that father and son. And so if you'll be thinking about this, the legal status of the father and the son didn't change, but the fellowship and the friendliness and their communion with each other certainly changed. Fellowship needs this wonderful thing, a loving father, a loving and humble son, and the great relationship that they can have needs, first of all, the rebel's repentance, the R factor. Fellowship then needs, number two, the Father's forgiveness. And if you get those two things working toward each other, there can be sweet fellowship restored. I hope you understand the difference between this legal connection of father and son and this deadness of fellowship. You know, in the Bible it says that a widow who's still living in pleasure, it says of her she's dead while she liveth. Because there's a deadness that we can get ourselves into as far as fellowship with God, even though we're alive. Look at the gate of the two. The prodigal is staggering home, tattered and torn. He's wasted his living and he's wasted his inheritance in riotous living. And here comes the father leaning forward to embrace him, running to meet him. Amen. It's the picture of Luke 15 and the father of the prodigal. Again, the tattered and torn prodigal, and there is the father coming to embrace him. It's okay, son. It's okay. Because there were some words of the R factor mentioned that we want to learn tonight. We want to be reminded of them tonight. The rebel truly repented. There's the R factor. The rebel truly repented because he said, Father, I'm no longer worthy to be called thy son. Make me a hired servant. He repented. He lowered himself all the way to a servant. Great repentance. The father truly forgave, celebrating his son. This, my son, was dead. Put a ring on his hand. Put a robe on him. Put shoes on his feet. And kill for him the fatted calf. Blessed God, there is no one like you in the universe to be compared in the matter of pardon and forgiveness. We thank you for all that you have shown us about your forgiveness in the Word of God. The Father even corrected the older brother's envy and defended the younger brother from his older brother who was criticizing him for what he had done and making an evil comparison between the older brother's righteousness and faithfulness and the younger prodigal's foolishness. Fellowship required, remember, number one, fellowship required the rebel's repentance and fellowship required, number two, the father's forgiveness and there were both in Luke 15, so there was a celebration. And they started over. And they started over with full bellies, comfortable clothes, good shoes, and a ring on his hand, and a a word ringing in his ears. This, my son. This, my son. My son. He came to be a servant. He was made a son again. 
He started over. If you have sinned, I'm speaking to everyone in here, right down to the youngest child that can understand, if you have sinned, no matter how big or small, you can and should repent tonight. Repentance is wonderful. Do not worry about God doing His part. He will mercifully run to meet you. He will mercifully run to meet you. He will run to meet you. He is better than any earthly father, and He is better than Luke 15. Are you serious that the God we worship forgives so quickly and fully? Are you serious, Pastor? You're making it sound so easy that God forgives quickly and fully. Our God delights in mercy. He delights in mercy. Let me share with you Micah 7 and verse 18. Who? You heard me a few minutes ago, and it's from my heart, and I hope that it's from your hearts. Who is a God like unto our God? Who is a God like unto thee that pardoneth iniquity, passeth by the transgression of the remnant of his heritage? Who is a God like him? He retaineth not his anger forever, because he delighteth in mercy. He doesn't just show it because he has to. He loves to show mercy. He delights in it. Micah 7.18 Our God forgave these sinners. How about Jonah? That's a minister who wanted to see Nineveh burned up. How is that for a loving fellow? There were 120,000 in that city under the age of five. He wanted to torch them all like marshmallows. Our God forgave these sinners. He repented in the belly of the whale, and the whale coughed him up, threw him up on shore. How about Zacchaeus? He promised restitution to those that he had ripped off, and Jesus went to his house for lunch and commended him as a child of Abraham before the whole crowd. How about Ahab? Even Ahab, the husband of the wicked Jezebel, when he humbled himself, God had mercy on him and told Elijah, I'm not going to bring the evil in his time. I'll bring it upon his sons. Because look at even Ahab has humbled himself a little with the R factor. That's my my creation. The R factor is repentance. And even though Ahab's wasn't to the full sincerity that it should have been, nor to the sincerity that we should have, God forgave him. How about Mary Magdalene? out of whom Jesus cast seven devils. She followed the Lord the rest of her life. Did she get to start over? Do you know what kind of a past she had? How about the publican? A traitor to his nation collecting taxes for Rome. He went to his house justified. How about David? Aggravated adultery and murder. God forgave him. How about Peter? Betrayed the Lord Jesus Christ and denied Him three times with oaths and cursing the night the Lord needed him. How about the sinner woman that Jesus received at the table of Simon the Pharisee? How about the thief on the cross? Hey, how about that for starting over? How's that for starting over while on the cross? You're cursing the Lord of glory one hour, and the next hour you are invoking the R factor by repenting 
and you're hearing that you're going to be personally with the Lord Jesus Christ in kingdom glory shortly before the sun sets. This is our God. This is the gospel of the Bible. How about the woman in adultery? Woman, where are thine accusers? I have none, Lord. Neither do I accuse thee. Go and sin no more. How's that? This is our Lord and Savior. How about Peter again? Does this comfort you? Peter again. Manasseh, the worst king of Judah, put his idols in the house of the Lord. But he humbled himself greatly, and God put him back on his throne. God forgave these sinners. Are you serious? That God, the God we worship, that holy God that you've always taught us is so severe and he hates sin and he hates sinners that he can forgive so fully and quickly? Oh yes. Oh yes. This should tell you that. He's different from every other God. He's different from anybody you've ever met. He's different from our government. And our government does think that it has a money tree. Do you know what this represents? Blow ye the trumpet. Blow ye the trumpet on the tenth day of the seventh month. For what purpose? Give me the J word, someone. Jubilee. Jubilee. You're all just waiting. Uh, He's probably got a trick up his sleeve, but there was no trick. Jubilee. Every 50 years. Horns announced it. Don't forget. Tenth day, seventh month. That is the Day of Atonement. The annual day, one out of 365, where the R factor was invoked the most. It was blown in the Day of Atonement. Amen. That's beautiful. Total liberty was proclaimed to all of Israel. Total liberty. A year of vacation and reclaiming all assets. Everything reversed in the year of Jubilee. If you had lost property, if you'd been foreclosed on, it all came back. Every seven and fifty years, each man got to start over. Because our God loves starting over for you. He doesn't have to start over. He's never had to change a single thing in eternity in either direction. He's I am that I am. And I am not something that starts over. But He does it for us. It started with the repenting on the Day of Atonement. The jubilee that's in the Bible. Who would even come up, for understand my choice of words, who would even come up with something that crazy? The God of heaven. Because His mercy and His grace is crazy compared to how we treat people. It is so different from us. Are you serious, Pastor? That the God we worship forgives so quickly and fully? Now that is a lot of stars. How high is heaven? Is an appropriate question right here. How high is heaven? We pick the second heaven because we don't want, we just want to be conservative. How high is the second heaven? Well, the best knowledge that we have today is there's about 200 billion galaxies. A galaxy is a set of stars and planets moving around its own common center of gravity or its own central pulling force. 
that keeps it together as a unique and separate body of stars from any other body of stars. And they, they estimate that there may be 200 billion of those. Big galaxies have a hundred trillion stars. Now our sun is just a modest star. But can you imagine a galaxy that's being held together by its own mass of a hundred trillion stars? And there's 200 billion of them. Now those are the bigger ones. Some of these galaxies are 13 billion light years from Earth. Now light travels seven times around the Earth in one second. Or 176,000 miles per second. Can you imagine a light year? A light year of light going at that speed for an entire year. But what about 13 billion years? How high is heaven? Well, let's answer the question. It's too high to measure. So let's just say it's infinitely out of our comprehension. What does this have to do with you? We'll read on or listen on. Isaiah 55 and verse 7. Let the wicked, let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return unto the Lord and this Lord, He, the Lord, will have mercy upon him and to our God because our God will abundantly pardon. Not barely pardon, abundantly pardon. Isaiah 55 and verse 7. Forsaking and returning equals the R factor, repentance. God will have mercy on you, and you should believe it. God will abundantly pardon. Believe it. Believe it tonight. The great God that we worship that created those galaxies cares about you and will forgive you. He made those galaxies just to display how great He is so that you would appreciate His forgiveness of you. Isaiah 55, 8, for my thoughts. God's thoughts. Now remember, what we had back here is abundant pardon. You say, I just don't believe that. I just can't believe it. You're asking me to believe it, but it's hard for me to believe it because no one's ever pardoned or forgiven me that easily. No one's ever had mercy that easily upon me. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, how high? We can't measure. Can we measure the distance the east is from the west? No, we can't. So it's a similar measurement of how forgiving God is. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Don't think about the way you forgive. Don't think about the way others have forgiven you. I abundantly pardon. Just return to me and I will run to meet you. God shows mercy and pardons very differently from men. As heaven's height cannot be measured, so is our God when it comes to forgiveness. You can start over at any time. Why would anyone doubt or fear God's mercy? Are you serious? Pastor, that the God we worship forgives so quickly and fully? Yes. He is the infinite Jehovah with abundant mercy. Yes. He bruised and killed His Son so He could show such mercy to you. How big of a sin can God forgive as easily as you have described? 
Think aggravated adultery and murder. Think David. How little of a sin can God forgive give as, as you've described? Think Asa's high places. Asa left them, and the Lord overlooked them, and the Lord considered Asa to have a perfect heart. How about all the patriarchs and all the men that had multiple wives and shouldn't have, and God's mercy toward them? We have one forgiving, merciful, heavenly Father. Sing with me. We're not done. But sing with me, and I hope that some of you will join me. I'm so happy, and here's the reason why. Jesus took my burdens all away. Now I'm singing as the days go by. Jesus took my burdens all away. Once my heart was heavy with a load of sin. Jesus took the load and gave me peace within. Now I'm singing as the days go by. Jesus took my burden all away. Amen. Amen. We should be. We should be on a legal basis and on a practical basis. What in the world is that? Now what is it? The Church of Greenville holding a fatted calf feast. We believe in starting over. We've always believed in starting over. We love to celebrate starting over. What is a fatted calf feast? It's how our church celebrates a repenting sinner. Because Luke 15 said, kill the fatted calf. So we go find the best fatted calf in a room that can accommodate us and celebrate. We eat the best. We buy the prodigal clothes. We buy the prodigal shoes. We buy the prodigal a ring. Sins repented of are forgotten and never recalled. We fulfill the prodigal's father and the feasts of charity described in Jude chapter 1 and verse 12. How did we learn this? From the Spirit and the Word of God. And you're a crazy church to match a crazy God. And I mean that in the sense that forgiveness and mercy and celebrating repentance is something He's taught us from His Word. That He delights in, He delights in mercy, and we delight in mercy. The R factor. It makes all the difference in the world. What is it and how do I get it? Well, the R factor is repentance. This wonderful word right here, repentance. A, you want to you get a little word, arc, to help you remember three verbs? Admit your sin is your fault repudiate it as perverse folly, and change your conduct about it. That is repentance. It's admitting, it's repudiating, and it's changing. It is not mere words. It's more than that. How about another one? Confess, abandon, and reform. Confess that the sin is your fault, abandon it in every way, and reform your actions toward that part of your life. This is repentance. This is the R factor. Here are the verses of the Word of God about it. If we confess our sins. I have sinned and perverted that which was right, and it profited me not. I acknowledged my sin unto thee, 
and mine iniquity have I not hid. I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord. I will declare mine iniquity. I will be sorry for my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. Against thee, thee only, have I sinned, and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest, and be clear when thou judgest. God is right, justified by this sinner who lays all the blame at his own doorstep. He that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. For I acknowledge my transgression and my sin. That sounds familiar. I will arise and go to my Father and will say unto Him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before Thee and am no more worthy to be called Thy Son. Make me as one of Thy hired servants. This is repentance. O Israel, return unto the Lord thy God. Redirect your life back to the Lord. Take with you words. God wants to hear from you and turn. Turn to the Lord. Say unto Him, Take away all iniquity and receive us graciously. So will we render the calves of our lips. We make a promise to God that if He will forgive us and restore us, then will I teach transgressors thy ways and sinners shall be converted unto thee. As David said in Psalm 51, this is Hosea about the ten tribes of Israel. Is it that easy? Yes. If we confess our sins, now we get the other half of the verse. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It's that easy. Are you sure it's that easy? A broken and a contrite heart, O God, Thou wilt not despise. Is it that easy? Job 33, the words of Elihu. He will deliver his soul from going into the pit, and his life shall see the light. Amen, it's that easy. He that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. This is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, of the Lord Jehovah of heaven and earth. He will have mercy upon him, and our God will abundantly pardon. From Isaiah 55. Look at the examples. Here's Manasseh again. Humbled himself greatly and was put back on the throne of Judah. Peter wept bitterly. But just a few days later, he led the apostles and the church. David prayed Psalm 51 and was God's favorite all the way to death and after his death. Zacchaeus promised restitution and had lunch with Jesus commending him. A sinner woman washed Jesus' feet, and Jesus defended and praised her to Simon. A thief confessed his sins and honored Jesus, and he heard Jesus promise eternal life with him that day. Real repentance is a gift. If God, peradventure, will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. Real repentance is different. For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world worketh death. Because you're, If you're sorry because you got caught, or for any reason even similar to that, that is worldly sorrow and it works death. It does not produce the life that we are talking about or the forgiveness that God offers. 
Real repentance is drastic. And this is the greatest definition in the Bible of repentance of the R factor. This verse is fabulous. For behold, this is one verse. For behold this self-same thing that she sorrowed after a godly sort. This is godly repentance. What carefulness it wrought in you. Yea, what clearing of yourselves. Yea, what indignation. Yea, what fear. Yea, what vehement desire. Yea, what zeal. Yea, what revenge. That is God's definition of the R factor of repentance. Real repentance works. What is the next verse? Or what is the last part of that verse? I didn't give you the whole verse there. 2 Corinthians 7.11. Here's the rest of it. In all things, ye have approved yourselves to be clear in this matter. How would you... Do you know who Corinth is hearing these words from? From the God of heaven, inspiring the Apostle Paul to write them a letter. Can you imagine when that was read in the assembly of the Corinthian saints? In all things, ye have approved yourselves to be clear in this matter. What'd they do? They confessed their sins and repented. Godly sorrow that fully clears. There it is. Carefulness. Clearing of yourself. Indignation. Fear. Vehement desire. Zeal. Revenge. Those seven things you will do if you're serious about starting over with the Lord. You'll be so careful. You'll clear yourself in every way. You'll be indignant about what you've done. You'll fear getting into that temptation and falling again. You'll have vehement desire to do what is right. You will show zeal in every spiritual measure approved by God. And you will revenge what you did wrong by burying it in what you do right. How fast does God run? How's that for a question? How fast does God run? I said that if you would turn to Him, He would run to you. Here's how fast He runs. In one verse, David said unto Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. After being confronted by Nathan the prophet, and Nathan said unto David, The Lord hath also put away thy sin. Thou shalt not die. That's in one verse. That's how fast the Lord runs. Now this had been going on for months with David hiding terrible sin of aggravated adultery and murder, Nathan confronts him, and David says, that man should die. And in one verse, you know, Nathan said in the previous verse, thou art the man, David said, I have sinned against the Lord. In one verse. I say that's running pretty fast. That is unbelievable. That is wonderful. That's the Word of God. How long does it take for the R factor? Here's the thief on the cross. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. Those are two verses next to each other. Doesn't take very long, does it? But they're serious. David and the thief were serious. Can I still amount to anything if I have to confess sins like that? David continued as God's favorite of all time. Josiah became one of the top four all-time kings for the revival that he started. Peter, just in days, led the apostles 
took the gospel to the Gentiles and wrote two epistles that have his name. Four sinful women made the genealogy of our Lord. Tamar, incest with Judah. Rahab, prostitute of Jericho. Ruth, the Moabitess, the wicked nation that was known for their prostitution and evil women that seduced the men of Israel, though she was never that. Bathsheba, the adulteress of David. Those four women made Matthew 1. Can I still amount to anything? Who wants to start over tonight? I want all of you to amount to everything God has in store for you. What if more sins than one? Well, David had aggravated adultery and murder, so if you're worried about the fact that you have more sins than one, David was also guilty of these. Polygamy. He numbered Israel and cost 70,000 lives. Murderous anger at Nabal. Moved the ark the wrong way and he was a bad father. The Bible says all these things. Peter, he denied Jesus with oaths and cursing, but he also played the hypocrite at Paul's home church and got publicly rebuked for it in Galatians chapter 2. Are there any warnings? Pastor, do you have any warnings for us about this R factor and God's forgiveness? Repentance is more than temporary lip service. When David said, I have sinned against the Lord, that's the short version. That's the Reader's Digest condensed version. Do you want the long one? Psalm 51. The elect do not use this gospel offer for license to sin. If anyone responds to this tonight by letting it move you to think that sin is not so great, I'll tell you what you're proving about yourself. You're on the way to hell. The elect are moved in the opposite direction by this tonight. We do not chase scorners. So you need to show some R. You need to show some repentance. We don't chase scorners that are mocking authority, mocking rebukes and correction. We're looking for those that are showing a little bit of repentance and we'll encourage them the rest of the way. There's warnings. God does not wait forever. He can hide from you or judge you. He that being often reproved hardeneth his neck shall suddenly be destroyed and that without remedy. We must honor repentance like God does or we're going to be sent to the tormentors. We better forgive like God forgives or we will not get forgiveness. We want to show mercy like He shows mercy. Many times the Lord Jesus encouraged us to pray, Father, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. David said to the merciful, Thou wilt show thyself merciful. God showed Himself merciful to David. And when we look through David's life, was he ever merciful to Saul? Over and over and over. Was he merciful to 200 men that couldn't go on? Yes. Always merciful. So we're going to be merciful like the Lord is. You can always start over. You can always start over, brethren. Our God is the God of second chances. He's the God of third chances and more with repentance. Full joy and peace are right around the corner. The abundant life in Christ to fill your soul with gladness is only an R factor away. It's only being held away by repentance. Do you need to repent tonight? Is there anything you need to repent of tonight and to come clean with the Lord? Do it. Don't wait. 
Do not hesitate. Don't doubt His forgiveness and do not doubt our forgiveness. We have all been forgiven 10,000 talents or more. We'll forgive you your hundred pence. Your sins do not move us. We will share the hope of the gospel with you. We have all been forgiven 10,000 talents or more and we love mercy. Remember it was Micah 7.18 that says God delights in mercy. Micah 6.8 says that what does God require of us? To love mercy. And so we love mercy. We fear God. We know that not forgiving quickly and fully opens ourselves up to the wiles and devices of the devil. So we are quick to forgive. We will forgive you. We will help you. I will help you. For anyone that wants to repent and start over. Full joy and peace are right around the corner. The abundant life in Christ to fill your soul with gladness is only being held away by repentance. Our God is merciful. May He bless each of you to be clean with Him and to start over and to be able to teach your children and to be able to teach others to come and know the forgiveness of God and the celebrating of a repentant sinner. The angels in heaven rejoice over one sinner that repents. And so this church is always chosen to rejoice as well.